0: He offers a resting place for me his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness fear will never conquer me for you already have you remain close to me and lead me through it all the way your authority is my strength and my peace the comfort of your love takes away my fear i will never be lonely for you are near you become my delicious feast Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness fear will never conquer me for you already have you remain close to me and lead me through it all the way your authority is my strength and my peace the comfort of your love takes away my fear i will never be lonely for you are near you become my delicious feast Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through.
1: Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship. And what a great day in the Lord it is. We're glad that you're here. And those of you that are watching this, we just welcome you. And, Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory today. You're so good. You're so faithful. And you're so true. And, Lord, we just love you and bless you this morning. And we're just excited that we're going to encounter your presence today. We welcome you here. Your freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
2: Let's stand together. And they said, oh. ready to move in this town. He's ready to move in this place. He's ready to move in your life. But we've got to surrender our hearts for certain things to be set in motion. Lord, we thank you for generations that have gone before us, that have paved the way, Lord, that have created paths that have Lord, so we can continue to build and to build your kingdom on this earth and to to bring your glory to this earth and the locations that are just starving for you, Father. We worship you in this place. We worship you in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's let's just thank Jesus. The name of Jesus. It's what gives us the authority on this earth. He's given us. He's given us the keys to the kingdom. He's given us His name that is above every other name. Hallelujah. And I I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Oh. Over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break. there, there is hope, and there is freedom. I speak- Yeah, every soul held captive by depression.
1: shout of praise.
2: Hallelujah. Thank you,
1: Lord. Amen,
2: amen, amen.
1: Hallelujah.
2: Wow.
1: We serve a good, amazing God. And Father, we're so grateful that you inhabit our praises. And Lord, you speak and communicate to us. For the Lord your God is anointed to preach the good news to the poor. The message of victory over poverty, sickness, and death is yours. For I have redeemed you, says the Lord. I've redeemed you from the pit. I've redeemed you from the prison. And I've redeemed you from poverty, sickness, and death. For in me, there is life and life forevermore. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you, Signature Worship Team. We're so glad that you're here. We're going to have uh, communion now. Pastor Nelson is going to lead us in communion. So if you have your elements, go ahead and uh, get those. and. Get them ready, because sometimes they're extra sticky. And prepare to have communion.
3: we an awesome God, don't we? We're getting into Ephesians five one. It says here, for therefore be the imitators of God, copy Him and follow His example as well, beloved children. Imitate your Father. And Lord Jesus says in John six fifty one, He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give to him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So the Lord's Supper is much more than just a religion, religious uh, tradition. It symbolizes everything that Jesus did for us at Calvary. When we partake of the cup representing the blood, we are representing that Jesus delivered us from sin. And so when you eat the bread, representing the body, you're acknowledging the physical and spiritual torment that Jesus endured to deliver us from the worry and cares of the world. So he takes out fear, sickness, disease, and every part of the curse. And that's including poverty and lack. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for such a good deed that you did for us. And we're going to First Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 25. But the Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and he'd given thanks, and he broke it and said, Take, eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. And the Lord, at the same manner, also took the cup, and when she supplied it from the he sipped it and say this cup is a new testament in my blood do this as often as you drink it remembrance to me take and drink Father you are the great creator we thank you for such a, a wonderful plan that you had for us that we may live with you for eternity Father that's what good fathers do. They look after their children. We thank you, Father, for your great power and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, dear. Amen. Thank
1: you, Nelson. Time. <laughs> Hallelujah. We invite you to join us as we make our confession of faith together.
2: Amen.
1: Our victory comes through faith, faith in God and, and obedience to, to His, His Word.
2: The Lord does
1: marvelous things for us. And by by His, His right hand and holy arm, arm, we gain the victory. The Lord makes us victorious wherever we go. Are. Our victory comes to us through our Lord Jesus Christ,
2: and we are thankful to him. We overcome
1: our accuser, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we do not fear death. Because I am born of God, I overcome the world. My victory over the world is my faith in Jesus as the Son of God.
2: As an overcomer, I partake of eternal
1: life. And And I am rescued rescued from hell. As an overcomer, I partake of God's heavenly bread, and and I have power over the nations.
2: As an overcomer, I'm clothed clothed in
1: pure white, and my my name name is written in the book of life. In all these things, we are more than victorious through Him him who loves us. We are persuaded that that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing, will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Well, hallelujah. How many are excited that we have this beautiful building to worship God in? It didn't just happen. It didn't just suddenly appear. And actually today we're going to honor the family who God used to build this place. The good family. And we are so grateful and thankful for the call of God, the gift of God, and the work that they have done in paving the way for us. You know, many years ago in 1981... You know, I had to learn this as I, as I went. And uh, there was a man by the name of Harvey Good. Uh, before that, he got touched by the power of God in the late 70s. And, uh, you know, when God touches your life, you're going to do great things. And in 1981, they took over a small group that was meeting. It became official in October of 1982. And uh, they filed their paperwork, and it was started as New Covenant Church. And uh, they were meeting in Franklin Street in Palmyra. And uh, is anybody here ever was ever at that meeting in Franklin Street? Yeah, we have a few people. All right, praise God. I never had the privilege of being there or even being in that building, but they quickly grew. And they had to expand. So in 1994, they purchased this land and began to build this building. They purchased it in 89 and then they built this building in 1994. And uh, the name got changed in 1997 to Victory Christian Fellowship. And um, we came here in 2002 and uh, it's been a great and wonderful privilege to be here and uh, you know one of our greatest things that we did since we were here was to redo the stage and to add carpeting I mean doesn't it look lovely yeah. and uh, we're going to dedicate uh, this platform today to the good and fam- to the good family we have uh, the the matriarch we have Pearl Good here today amen uh, Harvey has a skybox who's watching, right? He's, he's watching. And uh, we have Leonard and Sandra Good. And uh, we have Vernon and Marianne Ellsworth. Uh, Marianne is the daughter. Leonard is, the, is their son. And we have uh, Heidi and Steve, uh, the Good's uh, daughter and son-in-law. And uh, we're so glad that they could be here today. And uh, we're just going to bless them this morning. ...as uh, we dedicate this platform uh, to them. And I just want to read something uh, before I have them uh, come up. And uh, it's called No Admittance. When When the house lights dimmed and the concert was about to begin... ...the mother returned to her seat and discerned that her child was missing... Suddenly the curtains uh, parted and the spotlight focused on the impressive Steinway stage in horror or the Steinway on stage in horror the mother saw her little boy sitting at the keyboards <laughs> innocently pick, picking out twinkle twinkle little star At that moment the great piano master made his entrance quickly moved to the piano and whispered in the boy's ear don't quit. Keep playing. Then, leaning over, Paderewski reacted, uh, reached down with his left hand, and began filling the bass part. Soon, his right hand reached around the other side of the child, and he added uh, running uh, obbligato. Together, the old master and the young novice transformed what could have been a frightening situation into a wonderful creative experience. The audience was mesmerized that they couldn't recall what else the great master played other than twinkle, twinkle, little star. Perhaps that's the way it is with God. What we can accomplish on our own is hardly noteworthy. We try our best, but the results aren't always a graceful, flowing music. However, with the hand of the Master, our life's work can be beautiful. The next time you set out to accomplish great feats, listen carefully. You may hear the voice of the Master, master whispering in your ear, Don't quit. Keep playing. May you feel His arms around you and know that His hands are there helping you to turn your feeble attempts into true masterpieces. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And at this time, could I have the good family uh, come up? And uh, we're going to show you what... We have a plaque, and uh, the reason that it's not mounted yet is because our carpeting is going to be replaced in June. So once our carpeting is replaced, uh, because they had some flaws with the carpeting, Uh, We're going to mount it. It's going to be right underneath the piano here. And um, I have uh, two plaques, one for uh, Marianne and her family and one for Leonard and his family. And I want you to see what this plaque is going to say. This is dedicated in honor of Harvey B. and Pearl Good and the Good family. In recognition of your many years of dedicated service, devotion, and commitment to Victory Christian Fellowship. Psalms 37, 37, there is a good future for a man of peace because of a life of honor blesses one's descendants. On behalf of Victory Christian Fellowship, as the pastor here, I want to present you with these plaques for you to take home. And uh, that's way one in Pennsylvania. One in Texas. And I want you all to stand. And I'd like Fiona to come. And we're going to pray over this wonderful family. And Father, we dedicate this platform in honor of this good family father, Harvey and Pearl Good, who were the founders, who started this work many years ago. And Father, I pray that you would pour out your blessing upon this family To a thousand generations. And Lord, I thank you for your strength and your courage to step out when they did. Lord, to face the hardships that they faced. The challenges, Lord, you brought them through. And Lord, you get the glory and the honor. And Lord, we are so grateful to dedicate this platform for worshiping God and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in this area and in this region forever and ever. Lord, we thank you for the work that they have done. the groundwork that they have laid and Lord today we honor them and we bless them Lord anoint them with fresh oil and strengthen them in the name of Jesus amen and amen and and doesn't pearl look beautiful I'm telling you hallelujah does anybody want to say anything Okay.
2: I was very close to my dad, and some painful things happened in this building. And one day I just showed up mm-hmm. and introduced myself to Pastor Doug, and immediately I knew this was a man of God, and I had so much joy that the building was going to be here. So thank you, everyone. Amen. Thank you.
1: Thank you. You guys may have a seat. Yeah, uh, the story was we happened to be both here on a Thursday afternoon. Because at the time, I was working at a bank full time and uh, being the pastor here. And so. It was rare for Fiona and I to be here together, and we happened to be here when uh, Marianne was in town, and uh, she came and told us. And so the first thing that we decided to do, that we had a special honor service for Harvey and Pearl. And um, from that moment on, uh, we met with Harvey and Pearl once or twice a year. We took them out to lunch just to uh, get their hearts and find out, you know, they were debt-free for 40 years, And they had such a heart for for God and the people of God. And uh, I have really enjoyed uh, getting to know uh, the family and uh, what they have meant to Victory Christian Fellowship will always, always be remembered. And uh, so we bless you today. Amen. God is a good God. Amen. Amen. All right. We have some awesome kids. And we have a great kids' life. You know, kids' life is kids living in faith every day. So they get taught the Bible on their level. So, kids, I want you to stand up, dismiss the kids, have a great class. God bless you. Amen. All right. Since I hadn't had the privilege of building a building yet, so we dedicated the platform. I'll tell you what, you guys built a very solid platform, let me tell you. I was part of the breakdown crew, and let me tell you, it took everything. It was very solid and sturdy. It was awesome. Yeah, Pastor Nelson, he's a carpenter also, and he he was the one that had the design and uh, took over that uh, project for us. And it's just uh, wonderful. Amen. The work of God goes on. Hallelujah. God has generations on his mind. And what, what one generation, when they finish their course, another generation takes over. Moses got him out of Egypt, but Joshua brought him into the promised land. Amen. Amen. And this morning, as I was preparing for this uh, service, not just this morning, but uh, this week, the Lord really put a word on my heart for a time and a season that we're in right now. And I want to minister to you this morning on how to prevent the enemy from triumphing over you. You know, the enemy, how many know that we all have an enemy? His name is the devil, the accuser of the brethren, the father of lies, so many other things. And his goal for every person associated with Christ is to steal, kill, and destroy if he can. He, he tries to take the word from someone who hears it immediately when it's heard. And, uh, but I'm glad that we have a God... Amen? Amen. Who is our protector and our defender and our rescuer? And as we stay close to Him, you know He's not going to let that happen. Amen. And uh, let me just take a moment. Uh, you know, as you know, you can give any time here during the service. We have a container as you came in and one over there, and uh, if you're watching online, you can also give through our website as well. Sometimes I have so many things on my mind that I forget things. <laughs> Amen. And also men, uh, ladies, there's no woven for the summer months. So keep in mind of that. And men, we're going to have a, a very special Barnabas group at the end of this month, the last Saturday of the month. And uh, we're going to have an instructor from Raymo Bible Training College. His name is Marvin Yoder. Uh, he was raised Amish in Kansas and, uh, he, he got God got a hold of him, and he got a hold of God, and uh, he's just a great and wonderful man. This is going to be the first time that he's here, and so uh, I want you to prepare, and you can take a postcard and invite other friends that you know. All right, so God has designed us that when we live a life that's completely aligned with him, the enemy will not be able to triumph over you. God will prevent our enemies, from gaining any victory over you. When the enemy attacks, the Lord will rescue and deliver you. Because the enemy will attack. When you attempt anything for God, just getting born again, you become a target. Amen? I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 1. And then we're going to see this example in one of the king's Of Judah. Psalm 25. Gives us an inclination. Of what we can do. Psalm 25. Verse 1. It says unto you O Lord. Do I lift up my soul. I want you to focus on those words. Lifting up your soul. Because that's going to be a key from preventing the enemy from triumphing over you. He goes on to say in verse 2, oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. How many know God doesn't want you ashamed? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And therefore, it is the power of God and the salvation to them that believe. And Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on you be ashamed. Let them uh, be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. You know, when you know God's ways and you know the right path, the enemy can't triumph over you. Lead me in truth. You know, the only, the only way that the enemy can beat you is if you believe a lie. But if you stick with the truth, you're going to be okay. Alright? There is a truth cushion under everyone's seat. Have You, you ever flown an airplane? Right? They say that there's a flotation device under your seat. There's a truth belt underneath your seat today. Right? And it's to prevent you from the enemy triumphing over you. And teach me... For you are the God of my salvation. On you do I wait all day. Remember, O oh Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they have been uh, ever of old. Remember, the sins of my, remember not the sins of my youth. How many really glad that he forgets those? They're under the blood. Amen? And my transgressions, according to your mercy, remember me for your goodness' sake, O oh Lord. Remember not the sins of, earth. great and upright is the Lord. Let me tell you something. Whenever the enemy attacks, you've got to magnify God. You've got to make God bigger than the enemy because he is bigger. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, he's smarter than the enemy. But you have got to magnify him. And let me tell you something. If you haven't been practicing magnifying God, it's hard to do it in the moment of attack. Just food for thought. The meek he will guide in judgment, verse 9, and the meek will teach his way. I used to have a a basketball coach that says uh, the meek will inherit the earth, but we're not going to let them steal the ball. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. The path of the Lord, our mercy and truth, As unto such as keep his covenant, you've got to keep his covenants. See, the enemy can triumph over you when you're not participating with God's plan or doing things God's way. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it what? Leads to death. Okay. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease. How many want your soul to dwell at ease? You know, if the enemy can get your soul stirred up where it's not easy, he can find a way in. Did you know that when your mind is stayed on God, He keeps you in perfect peace? Perfect, complete, not nothing missing, nothing broken, whole. Hallelujah. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. How many want to know God's secrets? Reverence and honor Him. And He'll, he'll share His secrets with you. He will show them His covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. Listen, you've got to be looking to the Lord. Not just a glance. You've got to look unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. He shall pluck my feet out of the net. I'm telling you, the enemy may lay a net, but God has a way of plucking you out of the net. And when the enemy drags the net in, he'll find it empty. Turn unto me. And have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. How many has ever had some troubles think that they're bigger than uh, life? Right? Oh, bring me out of distress. Oh, my goodness. Do you know David's mighty men before they were mighty men? They came to David in debt, in distress, and in despair. But they, they started that way, but they ended up mighty men. Amen? Because they experienced the Lord's deliverance and His victory. Look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many. How many have ever thought that you overwhelmed with all the enemies that are attacking you? Believe me, as a pastor, as a pastor's family, you know. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, you got. Sometimes the enemy surrounds you. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. You got to put your trust in God. Amen. Let the integrity and the uprightness preserve me, for I I wait on you. Redeem Israel, God, out of all the troubles. So I want to. Explain a little bit about what it means to lift up your soul to God. Notice verse 1. He, The first thing that he did, the first thing that he wrote about was lifting his soul to God. And that helped him go through all the troubles that he faced. That helped him overcome all the challenges that he faced. That helped him whip the enemy instead of the enemy whipping him. You got to lift up your soul. Lifting up your soul to God is a permanent setting of your affections on Him. When you lift up your soul to God, you are permanently setting your affections. You are coming into divine alignment with Him. You're looking to Him. You're seeking Him. Your affections are permanently set on Him. I read a story this week. And it was talking about a triumphant spirit. It's a book that I'm reading called The Leadership Secrets of the G-12, written by a pastor in South America with the last name Castellano. Or Castellano, I I forget his first name. But um, he talked about a time in his life where a, a murder was attempted on his life, and he was shot five times in his body. He had five wounds from a gun. And the doctor's prognosis was not good. They kept saying, you're going to die. You're you're not going to make it. But his wife had a resolve. She had something in her heart. She knew she connected with God with her faith. She lifted her soul to God. And she put her trust in God. She said, you're going to recover. You're going to make it. You're going to be healed. And he had negotiated for an apartment prior to the murder attempt on his life. Right. And so the wife went to the, the person and she said, I want to make complete this purchase. And they said, are you sure you don't want to wait? She said, my husband will recover and I want to surprise him when he gets out of the hospital and her firm result. Guess what? He got out of the hospital and then he fully recovered. Amen. I'm telling you, you don't have to wait for the altar call. You can receive from God right now in your seat where you are. So lifting up your soul. It's a sincere, affectionate, hearty praise to God. It's drawing near to Him. You know, the Bible says, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Isn't that odd? I thought God was supposed to make the first move. He already did. He made the first move long before we were around. Right? Were you there when He he made the decision to send His Son, Jesus, for our atonement? Amen. You know the conversation with Job? Were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I did this? I, I, you know. Were you there when I put the stars in the place? No. You know. How many you know that sometimes God puts things in perspective? Right? Lifting your soul to God is worshiping God. Acknowledging His worth. Giving Him glory and honor and praise. Lifting your soul to God is meditation of gratitude and praise. Your thoughts about how good God is, how great God is, not how great your problem is. I mean, we sang it today. He prepares a table before you. is where? In the presence of your enemies. Don't worry about what the enemy's saying. Don't worry about the enemies. Here, eat some bread of life. Here, drink some new wine. Here, eat some meat. Here, eat, eat some sweet words. You're supposed to be more focused on the table than you are what the enemy's doing. Why, there's greater things on the table. Oh, the devil's chasing me. It shouldn't be the other way around. Where did you what scripture did you ever say the devil's chasing me? He's under our feet. How can that be? Because you've been saying the wrong thing because you've been believing the wrong thing. You've been magnifying the problem and minimizing God. Okay. <laughs> to lift up your soul means you direct your prayer to God knowing that He's going to give you an answer. How many know that when you pray, God answers? Yes. Well, it may be yes or maybe not. No, I'm telling you, God is a personal God. He communicates, He talks to you. When you seek Him, you'll find Him and He'll talk with you. He'll give you an answer and a solution right then and there for the problem. Hallelujah. Here's what the treasury of David, it's it's a translation, it's a commentary, but I love it, talking about lifting your soul to God. True prayer may be described as the soul rising from the earth to have fellowship with heaven. Did you hear that? You've got all these problems, but your soul's taking an elevator ride to heaven. You, you, in other words, you're telling your problem, I'm putting you on hold. How many ever been on hold? Right? How many has ever got, been put on hold right in the middle of a sentence? You didn't get to finish this hold. What? Uh, hello? Alright? True prayer may be described as the soul rising from earth to have fellowship with heaven. It is taking journey upon Jacob's ladder. Back in Genesis uh, 28 leaving the cares and the fears at foot and meeting with the covenant God at the top. Oh, I'm telling you, you can meet with the CEO of the universe when problems are coming, when challenges arise, you can have a meeting with the CEO. And he'll give you a solution right in the midst of it. In dull seasons... And dark moments of life. When did Paul and Silas offer praise? When the sun was shining? No, when it was dark. Where were they? In prison. In the dungeon. In chains. That's when they offered the praise. And that's when they broke free. They broke free when they offered their praise. It wasn't until they started praising did the chains fall off. You've got to praise God in the midst of the problem. You've got to praise God in the midst of a challenge. You've got to praise God in the midst of an attack. We must exert all our power to lift our heart and soul to the Lord. You've got to practice lifting your soul to God. It's not hard. You don't have to be a weightlifter. How you lift your soul to God is simply looking and speaking to Him. That's it. It's that simple. Amen? Alright. Hallelujah. And the word triumph, it means to rejoice, to exalt, to be joyful. It means to jump for joy. I don't want the enemy jumping for joy over me. I don't want the enemy exalting over me. Amen? In the... Uh, Psalm 86, verse 4. Psalm 86, verse 4. It says, make your servant rejoice. I'm reading from the Amplified. For you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, all that I am, in prayer. Who's going who's to lift up your soul? None other than you. You've got to lift up your own soul. Psalm 43, 143. And verse 8, Psalm 143 and verse 8. Let your loving kindness... Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning. What happens in the morning? You start your day. How many know it's better to start your day in God than out of God? Right? Because you don't know what the day faces, so you might as well start it with God. I For I trust in you... Teach me the way in which I should walk, for I will lift up my soul to you. You know what? You can't lift up your soul to God unless you know some principles of His kingdom. So guess what? He's got to teach you. Didn't He give us the Holy Spirit? Whose job is, one of His jobs is to bring you into all truth. To teach you. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen? It says, verse 9, Psalm 143. Rescue me, O Lord, from my enemies. The enemies must have been closing in if if he needed rescuing. Right? Sometimes the enemy thinks he's going to win. But he serves a liar. I take refuge in you. That's important. Who you take refuge in. Verse 10. Teach me to do your will so that I may please you. How many want to please God? You know, living a life that pleases God is one way to prevent the enemy from triumphing over you. Verse 11, save me, O Lord, for your name's sake. Listen, God puts his name on the line and he, he will not fail his name. What did, what did David fight with? The, sp- the, the, the sling? Really? No, he fought with the name of the Lord. It was the name of the Lord that won that battle. He said, you come at me with the sword and spirit, but I come at you with the name of the Lord. He came at Goliath with the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 12, in your loving kindness, silence and destroy my enemies. You know, sometimes the enemy is just, he needs to be silenced. You know that Jacob and, I mean, Joshua and Caleb... They had to interrupt the negative report and they had to interject faith in God. You know if you don't interrupt the negative report and interject faith in God, then the cause is lost. All right? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter two. This will this is double the fun, double the excitement. 2 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of God. He, thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph. That speaks of a conqueror leading his conquered foe through the streets in a parade showing how great his conquer was. Jesus leads us through triumph. He leads us always into triumph. He drags the enemy, his, his dead carcass behind him and he makes a parade. Jesus made a show of him openly, triumphing over him in Colossians 2.15. Jesus made a show openly of his defeat of the enemy. Everybody in the spirit realm saw Jesus dragging the devil's carcass. and and he gave you his victory he gave you his victory he gave you his victory hallelujah he gave you the victory Isaiah 54:17 says no weapon that is formed against you will succeed and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you will condemn Listen, the enemy may point the weapon at you. He may think he's going to fire, but it's going to misfire. No weapon formed against you. It's formed against you. It's pointed in your direction. It will not prosper, though. You'll be like Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. Ooh, that wascally wabbit. What's up, Doc? I mean, Bugs Bunny could just plug Elmer's shotgun and blow up in his face. That's exactly what we do to the enemy. Go to there's a minor prophet Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 14. Notice what the first three letters, three words, shout for joy. You know sometimes the joy comes after you shout. You may not feel the joy right away, but once you release that shout, the joy goes, shout for joy. O daughter of Zion, shout in triumph. O Israel, rejoice and be in high spirits, glory with all your heart. O daughter of Jerusalem, the Lord has taken away the judgment against you, and He has cleared away your enemies. I'm telling you, God is like a bulldozer to your enemies. He will clear the way for you. He will clear the path for you. He will eliminate the bugs and the insects. We can shout for joy. He goes on to say in verse... 17, the Lord God is in your midst. Where is he? He's where two or three are gathered in his name. He's with every born again believer. Say, I have God in me. Listen, if you made Jesus cross your Lord, God moved into your heart. He's in there. And you can access him anytime that you need to. Why did he put himself in you? So that you could take him with you wherever you go. And whatever situation you're in. Now I want to tell you about a king. Who practiced lifting his soul to the Lord. His name is Jehoshaphat. Or Jehoshaphat. I like that name. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. He lived. He loved God. He lived right. And he looked to God and was ready to win the fight with his enemies. Didn't matter what enemy attacked. He was ready. Alright? You can his his life is recorded in Second Chronicles chapter seventeen to chapter twenty. And I'm going to go into some detail over these things because it's important. And I want you to look at Second Chronicles chapter seventeen, verse three. And the Bible says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Say the Lord was with him. him. Who does the Lord hang out with? He doesn't hang out with complainers, he doesn't hang out with doubters, he doesn't hang out with non believers, he doesn't hang out with the pride, the proud. He doesn't hang out with backbiters or gossips. He doesn't hang out with liars. But God was with Jehoshaphat. That statement alone says a lot. Amen. God was with Joseph. What happened? Every challenge he overcame. God was with Daniel. Everything, you know, he overcame. God was with Esther. She went before the king and found favor. When God is with you, good things happen. Amen. But I want to encourage you to be the person that God called you to be. Yeah. If God isn't with you, guess what? You can make some adjustments and changes in your heart. Yeah. We know that Joseph didn't complain, otherwise God wouldn't have been with him. Because we know that when the Israelites complained, God was angry. When, when, people, when they were, uh, went into the promised land, the complainers died. The believers went in. So Jehoshaphat, God was with him because he followed the example of his father David. Any king that was tied in with David means they were righteous. David was the righteous line. Did you know that Jesus is a descendant of David? And he's sitting on the throne forever and ever and ever. Alright? He did not seek... The Baals. He did not seek idols. He, but he sought the Lord God of his father. Everybody say, he sought him. you got to be a seeker. God rewards those who diligently seek him. And believe that he is. How many believe that he is? How many seek him? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't come to church because I'm the pastor. I came because I'm seeking an encounter with God. And I know when God's people gather, God has a word. God has a message. God has a demonstration that he wants to do in our midst. And he walked and obeyed his commandments and did not act as Israel did. Israel, see, at this time the kingdoms were split. Israel represented the wicked kings and Judah represented the righteous kings. Verse 5. The Lord established his kingdom in Israel. How many know when the Lord establishes you, you're doing something good? You're doing something right. Right? And all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat and he was rich. I must say, he served God, and he was rich. You can be rich and serve God. Can, can you say amen? amen? That's hope for us. Amen. Yes. We can be rich. We we are rich. Yes. He became poor so that we can become rich. Yes. Glory to God. And he was he was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Jehoshaphat was. He was deeply committed to God's ways. How how deep is your commitment to God? Do you only participate with God when you feel like it or when you don't feel like it? Do you know Jesus was so committed to God that while he was hanging on the cross, he he kept in constant communication with God. He wasn't magnifying the pain. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, he said some things, but nothing related to the pain that he was experiencing. Why? Because God was bigger than the pain. The resurrection was greater than the crucifixion. Amen? Why, the crucifixion was a moment. Resurrection is forever. The crucifixion is where he paid for our sins. But the resurrection is living in the light of God. Hallelujah. So... In the seventh year of his reign, um, he set officials up in his kingdom and they taught Judah the book of the law. How many know when the king says go preach the word, I'm telling you there's going to be blessing on that nation. We need some leaders that will take the restrictions off and say, go preach the gospel to this land. uh, Jehoshaphat had an understanding that if his kingdom was going to succeed, they needed to hear the word. So in verses 7, he commissioned these people to go and teach. Thank God for that. Amen. Verse 10. The dread of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the land surrounding Judah... So that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. When you do things right, the enemy knows I can't get in there. That doesn't mean he won't try. But in this particular point, there was peace. Amen. No one was coming against him. All right. Because the fear of God. And verse 12, Jehoshaphat became greater and greater. Can you increase your greatness? Absolutely. You can become greater and greater. Amen? Hallelujah. And he built storage places and he had large supplies. Chapter 18. Chapter 18. Verse 1. Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, but he was allied to Ahab. Now, if you don't know anything about Ahab... First Kings 16, 28, and 29 call him the most wicked king up to that point. He was a wicked king who honored Baal more than God. He actually had the false prophets eating at the palace. And Jehoshaphat was aligned with him by marriage. Be careful who you're allied with. Be careful who you're allied with. All right. And so the king of Israel, Ahab, he came to Jehoshaphat and he said, I want you to come with me to make war on Ramoth Gilead. All right. And uh, Jehoshaphat answered, OK, I will. Your cares are our cares. Your concerns are our concerns because they were in covenant through marriage. All right. But whoever you align yourself with, you have to fight their conflicts. Did you know that Sapphira aligned herself with her husband to lie against God and they both died? Listen, if your spouse is doing evil, you don't have to participate. But they're my spouse. Yeah, but God doesn't want you to do evil. So are you a man pleaser or a God pleaser? When you're aligned with an evil person, God's blessing is not on the battle. Ahab was evil. He was an idolater. So Jehoshaphat, verse 4, he says, okay, let's inquire of the Lord. Someone's got to speak sense in this place. You don't have to put up with craziness. Let's see what the Lord's saying. Right? You don't have to just go along with someone's idea or opinion. Confirm it with the Lord. So Jehoshaphat says, let's inquire of the Lord. And uh, before any battle, seek the Lord. Well, how will I know if a battle's coming? Practice seeking God now and you'll be ready. If you're not seeking God now, it's going to be hard to seek Him when the battle is, is raging. You've got to get in the habit of... Jehoshaphat was in the habit of seeking God. It's not like, oh my goodness, we're going to battle. I better seek the Lord. He had been seeking the Lord. I I showed it to you. He'd been walking with God, doing his precepts. So, um, he said, uh, the only way to defeat your enemy and prevent him from triumphing over you is to put the Lord first. Before you make a major decision of your life, you better spend time seeking God. And God will not lead you apart from His fruit of the Spirit. If, if, if your decision is going to cause you to get out of love, it's not God. If your decision is going to cause you to lose your joy, that's not God. If your decision is going to cause stress, that's not God. Come on. So, Jehoshaphat said, is there a prophet? And Ahab says, okay, he had 400 false prophets, right? He says, I got this one guy, though, this one prophet, who I don't like, because he always prophesies evil. You aren't evil, pal! He was telling the truth! And Ahab says, yeah, his name is Micaiah. But I don't like him because he never prophesies good about me. because you're not good, pal. That's a true prophet, man. Micaiah, his name is actually micaiah And his name means who is like Yah, who is like the Lord. Okay? And so he comes in, they bring him from jail. Right? And all the false prophets... You know they're, they're telling these two kings, "Go, you're going to win." One guy makes himself like a bull. He says, "You're going to be like a bull and you're going to gore the enemy." Lie, lie, lie. And so when Micaiah gets in there, they, all the other false prophets said, "Now we're telling the king go to battle. You just join it." Do you realize the world will pressure you to conform to their message? I got news for you. God made the rainbow, nobody else. And no one has the right to take over our rainbow. It's a sign of his covenant. That doesn't mean I don't love people. I love people, but I don't like sin. And neither does God. I've never heard Jesus excuse evil behavior. I've never heard anybody who was evil that come to Jesus who was doing sin. He told the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. He didn't say, it's okay, dear. You made this one mistake. No, he said, go and sin no more. He called it sin. The behavior was sin. So, Micaiah, he, uh, he says, I'm only going to speak what the Lord says. Can you only speak what the Lord says in the midst of pure pressure? Absolutely. He who is in you is greater than the pressure. Amen? And uh, so Micaiah says, um, you know, uh, Jehoshaphat asked him, Shall we go to Rome of Gilead or shall we refrain? And he said, Go up and succeed. For they will be all handed over to you. He was just mocking the false prophets. Right? So after being he was warned then to tell the truth. Okay? Then, then he said this in verse 16. I saw all the people of Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each one return to his house in peace. In other words, God was saying, don't go up. Don't go fight this battle. Right? First of all, you're aligned with an evil king. Secondly, you've got 400 false prophets saying go. And you've got one prophet saying no. Are you going to go with the go or go with the no? 400 to 1. That's a lot of pressure. So then he told them that the prophets were were led by a lying spirit. Right? They were motivated by a lying spirit. Now, some translations say God sent a lying spirit. God doesn't have lying spirits. But it wasn't causative. It was permissive. Because Ahab, these, these, these prophets around Ahab were the prophets of Baal, whom Elijah defeated. Okay, so they returned to, they returned um, Micaiah back to prison and the king said, only give him enough water and bread to survive. So we're pretty harsh conditions, right? Are you willing to go through suffering and proclaiming the truth or are you going to back down or back off the truth? Oh, we're not going to talk about the blood in our services anymore. <laughs> Then how do you get saved? If you don't talk about the blood, how does sin get rid of? So, they decided to go to battle, right? In verse 29, Ahab says, I'm going to disguise myself, but Jehoshaphat, you wear your royal robes because I'm going to go in the battle. You know... When you're a liar, you always disguise yourself. When you're not operating in the truth, you always try to disguise yourself. It's called a hypocrite. A hypocrite is a play actor, one that wears a mask. Right? I'm talking to you about someone who did not let the enemy triumph over him. Okay? We're going to get to the crescendo here in just a minute. So... They're fighting, right? And the king, their enemy, said, the king of Syria says, don't go for the small potatoes. This is, my, this is my paraphrase. Go for the royalty, right? So Ahab was not wearing his royal robes, so they see Jehoshaphat wearing his royal robes. So the enemy goes after him thinking he's the king of Israel. All right? Look at verse uh, 18. Verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse 31 of chapter 18. Verse 31, chapter 18, 2 Chronicles 18, 31. So when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it is the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him, but Jehoshaphat called out to, for God's help. Everybody say, he called out. Yeah. What, excuse me. What did he do in the attack? He called out. He called out to God. He knew his was God. Ahab didn't know God. Ahab couldn't call out to God. And what happened? God diverted them away from him. When the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Right in the midst of an attack, Jehoshaphat is defended by God. Because he's the only one with some righteous sense in this situation. And an arrow... Went through Ahab's armor. He had a chink in his armor. And the enemy found a way in. And just as Micaiah prophesied, Ahab told his chariot riders, he said, take me back. He said, I've been mortally wounded and by sunset he was dead. See, when you don't know your God, you're defenseless. All right, let's go to chapter 19. So Jehoshaphat went back to Jerusalem safely. All right. And uh, a prophet came out to see him in verse 2 of chapter 19. Jehu, the son of Hanani, he said, Should you help the ungodly and those who hate the Lord? Be careful who you align yourself with. Be careful who you help. And get involved with. I'm telling you, God has delivered me from bad relationships many times. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he said, There's good in you. There's good in your heart. Right? You 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 have removed the ashram or the idols and you set your heart to seek God. Thank God that was the difference. He set his heart to seek God. Even though he made a bad choice in helping Ahab, God knew what was in his heart. And he had a good heart. And verse 4, Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem and he brought back the, to the Lord, the, the God, he brought back the people to God. Amen? They had revival in the kingdom. And he got things right. He got things ready. All right? All right? And uh, verses 5 to 7 of chapter 19, He appointed judges in all the fortified cities, city by city, to instruct people in righteousness. Right? He appointed the priests and the Levites to judge disputes. Right? So He's setting up kingdom protocol. He's setting up things right. Amen? How many know it's, it's good to have a good foundation? I'm so glad for the foundation that Harvey set. It was a good foundation. He did everything right. Amen. He set this up good. He set this up proper. Hallelujah. We're rooted on the rock. Glory to God. Now we come to the moment in chapter 20. Jehoshaphat's doing good. He's doing right. And what does the enemy decide to do? They decide to attack. Why? Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to continue to do good. He wants to interrupt your good. You know, if the enemy can interrupt your spiritual life, your spiritual routine, right? The things that you would normally do as a believer, if he can stop you from doing that, he's got a way in. He's got a way in. Right? So, the Moabites... The Ammonites and Mount Seir, a great multitude came out against him. How many know the problems have just gotten bigger? Right? A great multitude. Right, you go to work and a great multitude comes again. David went to work and his boss was chucking spears at him. That's not a good work atmosphere. Right? David's just taking notes and all of a sudden, boom, spear comes. Thank God he knew God. Maybe the Lord helped him duck or diverted the spear. But hey, my boss just chucked a spear at my head. How, How many could say that? You went into work and your boss is chucking spears at you for real. You talk about a bad day. You complain about your little problems. My boss called me a name. Get over it. So... They told him a great multitude. What was Jehoshaphat's response? Verse 3. Jehoshaphat was afraid initially, but he set himself determinedly at his vital need to seek the Lord. What did he do? He determined to seek God. When? When he heard the news that a great multitude was coming against him. Something was coming his way. The enemy was on the attack. And what is his first response? He did not get on the telephone and call his friends. He did not, uh, he sought the Lord. First response. And if you're not in the habit of doing that, like I said, it's hard to do that in, in that situation. You gotta be doing it prior to this you got to get in the habit of doing it. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Some people who haven't sought the Lord, they go to seek the Lord. Now, where did he go? Where is he? Let's find Jesus. Where's Waldo, right? And he proclaimed the fast. Sometimes... You've got to increase the methods of seeking depending on the attack that's coming. Not only did he seek the Lord, but he fasted. What does fasting do? It makes you spiritually sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice. You put your flesh on hold. Amen? Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Jesus fasted. His disciples fasted. Many people in the Bible fasted. Sometimes you need to fast. And that's... I'm not going to say that. So, the people sought the Lord as well. With all their heart. Then in verse 5, Jehoshaphat begins to pray. Notice, this is before the battle started. He's got news of the battle. God gave him inside information that something's coming and it's coming quickly. So he stopped, dropped, and prayed. You know when you're on fire, stop, drop, and roll. Well, when you're under attack, stop, drop, and pray. But i got to get these dishes done. Forget the dishes and pray. But i got to get gas in my car. Forget the gas and pray. Which is more important? Sometimes you've got to put your natural life on hold and go all in in spiritual things. If you want to prevent the enemy from triumphing over you. He prayed. He stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord. I'm telling you, Jehoshaphat was a churchgoer. He had his right connection with God. He stood in the house of the Lord, making this prayer in front of the courtyard. Right? He prayed to God, the Lord God of his father's. He, the God in heaven, what's he doing? He's magnifying God above the problem. He's exalting God above the challenge. He's making God bigger than the problem, bigger than the enemy. He's the God of our fathers. He's the God of heaven. He keeps getting bigger and bigger. And he says, he declared that your rule is over all the kingdoms and all the nations. He recognized that God has influence over nations. This is a good prayer to pray for America. That would be another message. He acknowledged that God had power and might in his hand. What's he doing? He's magnifying God. He's lifting his soul to God. He's lifting up his soul. His eyes. His attention. His heart cry. Amen. And the people are joining him. They're all doing this together. But he's leading it. And he said no one is able to stand against him. He acknowledged that God drove out the previous nations before them so that they could inherit this land. He acknowledged that Abraham was God's friend. He acknowledged the covenant that Abraham had with God. Right? He acknowledged that the sanctuary, this is in verses 8 and 9, the place of worship... It declared, if evil comes to us, if the sword of judgment, plague, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, and we will cry out in distress. We ought, you ought to make that a plaque in your home. Whenever trouble comes against your home, you're going to, we're going to stand, and we're going to decree, and we're going to cry out to you, and because we're going to beat this back. Amen? You can beat debt back. You can beat an attack back. You can beat sickness back. You don't have to accept it. But you've got to fight. This is what Jehoshaphat was doing. When was this? This was before the battle. He's setting the tone of his victory before it ever occurred. That's what faith does. He acknowledged the problem. Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. He said they wanted to dispossess Israel from his inheritance. I'm telling you, the enemy would, would love to steal your inheritance. If he could steal your inheritance, he would triumph over you. But guess what? We're not going to let that happen. Say, devil, you're not getting my stuff. And if he happens to take it, you can go in and get it back. David did that. So he acknowledged the problem. He wanted God to judge them. It's okay to let God judge your enemies. It's okay to let God, God deal with some things. Amen? Sometimes you, you don't have to say anything. You can say, God, you just take, take care of this. Verse 20, verse 13, chapter 20. All Judah stood before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Everybody say infants, wives, and children. The whole family was part of this. Look at the good family. How many generations of righteousness are before us right now? Three generations. Amen? Three generations all together serving God. You think that that just happened? No, they laid the foundation. Amen? And God spoke in response to their prayer. Everybody say, God spoke. When you see God like this, you will find him. Okay? Jehoshaphat recognized that he was helpless against this great multitude on his own. Because he knew that he had, something, he had someone bigger in his corner. Hallelujah. He had weapons that the enemy didn't even know of. All right? So, God spoke to them and he said, Do not be afraid. Number one thing that God's going to tell you in a problem is don't be afraid. Because if you let fear in, you let the devil win. And guess what? Worry is a form of fear. Do not be afraid or dismayed at this great multitude. Look, I got a table that's got better things on it than this great multitude. I got better things for you than this great multitude. I got greater things than this great multitude. Right? God is telling them this. He said the battle is not yours. Woo! Glory to God. The responsibility of the battle is not mine. Go down against them tomorrow. And God told them exactly where they're going to be. Just because the battle's not yours doesn't mean you, you, you don't have to face your enemy. Because they've already been fighting in the spirit. So because they fought in the spirit, they're going in a position as a winner. Mm. Come on, somebody. Do not go into battle without knowing the, Lord's, the Lord is with you and giving you a divine strategy. And what did Jehoshaphat do? He worshipped. What did the people do? They bowed out, they praised. The Levites shouted with a loud praise. Come on, let's give God a loud praise. Sometimes the placement of your praise will determine your victory. Praise doesn't necessarily have to come at the end. It should come before. It should come before. So they got up early in the morning, knowing that they're going to be attacked. They got up early. And Jehoshaphat said in front of all the multitude. He said, you shall know the Lord, you'll be established, and by his prophets you will prosper. Or succeed. You need the word and you need the prophetic anointing. Amen. Amen. Jehoshaphat had these. He said, God establishes you, right? And then he consulted with the people. See, when the people are praying, when the people are with you, they'll give you some good advice. It's the same thing that the apostles did when they needed to put people in the church. They told the people, go find some godly men with these qualities. That's what they did. And the people found them. Stephen, Philip, right? Those seven guys. So, they sent the praisers. They appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised Him with their priestly attire. They went before the army. Now, generals are scratching their heads saying, this is the worst strategy ever. But the general who's never lost a battle came up with this strategy. His name is Father God. His name is Jesus. Amen. He knows how to prevent the enemy from triumphing over you. And when they began singing and praising, I want you to point, they began, the moment they opened their mouth, the moment they started praising God, the angels went to work. When, verse 22, when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir that had come against them. The moment the praise went up, the angels were dispatched, the enemy was ambushed, they went to ambush you, but instead the enemy ended up getting ambushed. That's how God turns the tide. That's how God prevents the enemy from triumphing over you. They were struck down in defeat. And when the guys looked, they got up on the towers and they looked, all they saw were dead bodies. They didn't even have to unsheath a sword, they didn't even have to raise a spear, they didn't even have to raise a shield. And so, here's what was left behind, verses 24 to 25. There was much spoil. Amplified says, equipment, clothing, and valuable things. I'm telling you, the battle was God's, but the reward was theirs. They went to that battlefield and the enemy was already defeated by the time they got there. And all they had to do was pick up the diamonds and pick up the rubies and pick up the gold and pick up the silver and pick up the new sets of clothes and pick up the equipment. It was all available for them because they sought the Lord. They lifted their soul to God and God prevented the enemy from triumphing over them. Will it work for today? Absolutely. You've got to seek God. You've got to walk with God. You've got to obey God. Because when, when that is broken, when your walk with God is interrupted, something else has access to you. Because disobedience takes us out from the umbrella of blessings. The umbrella of blessing is here, but my disobedience is over here. I'm not covered because I'm disobedient and I'm open to attack. Isn't that the book of Judges? They obeyed God, everything was good. They disobeyed God, an enemy came in. They cried out to God, he sent a judge. Then they did it all over again. Cycle after cycle after cycle. God had to raise up judges. Samson and Deborah and Barak... Hallelujah. All right. You've got to get this verse 25, chapter 20. On the fourth day, it took them three days to pick up the stuff. Three days of wheelbarrows full of hauling stuff from the battlefield. That was a blessing, that was the reward. It took three days. They, didn't have, they spent their time gathering, not fighting. They spent more time gathering. All they were doing was praising and gathering. Praising and gathering. On the fourth day. They assembled in the valley of Baraka. You know what the valley is? It's the valley of blessing. They named that place the valley of blessing. The valley of Baraka. There they blessed the Lord for their triumph not being triumphed over. Hallelujah. They looked to the Lord Before the fight and bless the Lord after you won the fight. Look to the Lord before the fight and bless the Lord when you win the fight. Amen? Seal it with praise. Seal it with worship. Verse 27. They returned to Jerusalem with joy. The Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. That means triumph. The Lord made them to triumph over their enemies, not the other way around. He totally turned the tables on the enemy, just like the resurrection. Devil thought he won, and then the third day happened. And he's like, oh no. Then, verse 29. The fear of God came on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of the Lord. And Jehoshaphat's kingdom was quiet. He had peace. God gave him rest on all sides. The more enemies you defeat at once, the more rest you have. Oh my goodness, the more enemies you defeat at once, the more rest you have. The quicker you can get the battle over, the quicker that you can believe God that you have the victory, that you won, that the enemy is defeated, the more rest you'll have. Hallelujah. And that is how we prevent the enemy from triumphing over us. i got to read one more scripture and then I'm done. (laughs) Read Jude Verse 24. There's only one chapter in Jude. You've got to listen to this. Now. Everybody say right now. Not tomorrow. Now. Now. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and falling into sin and to present you unblemished, blameless, faultless, In the presence of His glory with triumphant joy and unspeakable delight to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, power before all time, now and forevermore. He can prevent you from falling. He can prevent you from sinning. He will give you the... He always causes us to triumph. He always leads us in the victory. He always causes us to overcome. He always makes us triumph. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Someone needs to shout about that for a minute. We need to get excited about Jesus. Maybe you've been bullied by a sickness or pain or a lack of some sort or a a hurt or broken heart. God can touch you. God can make you whole. God can heal you. God can work in you. He doesn't want sickness to triumph over you. He doesn't want poverty to triumph over you. He wants blessing to flow to you. Above and beyond, our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He's a good and faithful God. And if you need something from God today, you came here broken. You came in here heavy. You came in here down. Maybe you came carrying pain. God wants you to triumph over that junk. He wants to give you the victory. He wants to deliver you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to touch you. He wants to help you. He wants to lift you. He wants to fill you. And number one, If you're not born again, you need to get born again. You need to give your heart to Jesus. And if you strayed from God, you need to come back home. If that applies to anybody today, I want you to come right now and experience the goodness and the love of God. He loves you. There's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for these today. I thank you, Lord, that you have given them the victory. You have prevented the enemy from triumphing over them. You have stopped the enemy's plans from stealing, killing, and destroying them. Lord, you have released what the enemy took. You have released what the enemy has possessed. And you have given it to your people. You have transferred the wealth from the wicked to the righteous in the name of Jesus. Health and wealth as your soul prospers. God wants above all things that we prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. How does my soul prosper? I I have a constant, consistent appetite for the Word of God. Amen. Are you glad for your victory today? Are you glad that God whooped the enemy for you today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The chains are broken, the prisons are open. Hallelujah! It's time to rise up and take your place as as the undefeated, undisputed
2: champion that you are. Jesus made you the champion! Hallelujah! Glory, glory, glory.
1: Hallelujah! And our thanks to the good family. You will always be in our hearts. You will always be remembered. We love you guys. And we thank you for your heritage, your faith that you have passed on. Amen. Well, go and enforce your victory today. This week, when things rise up against you, you know what to do. Amen. God bless you. Have a great and wonderful week.